Hello and welcome to No Show and happy holidays. I'm Matt Brown and as always, I'm joined by Jeff Borman. And speaking of the holidays, when it comes to spending money in the holidays, Thanksgiving, which just passed, essentially functions, uh, you know, as we've talked about a little bit as like an all-star break in baseball or basketball. And, you know, up until that point in the, the holiday season, you've kind of been thinking about gifts. Many people have already locked in schedules or airfares for late December travel. But once you pass go on Thanksgiving Day, things get real and they get so real that we as a society have actually themed the week afterwards around the idea of spending money. Now, duh, that's what much of the season has become, uh, for better or for worse. But the branding of the days has accelerated, I think. You know, you get Black Friday, you get Cyber Monday, uh, Small Business Saturday, Giving Tuesday. And I guarantee you there are a hundred other sectors out there right now with ambitions to corner Wednesday uh, and then the following Thursday. And you get this feeling that there's just going to be this inexorable march towards Christmas and New Year's and into the new year that will you know take you all the way through that. That's going to become like this, this advent calendar of capitalism where every day is something to spend money on. Now, some of those things are worth spending money on and their causes worth spending money on and small businesses, of course. But, you know, as all these entities sort of circle around these days as a way to sort of brand it and push sales, you know, to me, travel and hospitality always seems like sort of a logical choice to take a day like this and make it theirs. Like, um, you know, like where to Wednesday, you know, travel Thursday. But when it comes to these motivational sale days, it feels like I don't see as much of a push from hotel and travel companies to do that. And you don't see deals like you see in retail. And Jeff, why? Matt, first of all, you forgot Craft Brewer Sunday. Uh, that was just this past weekend. A big holiday for me. Is that real? It actually is real. The Brewers Association of America. I'm writing this down. <laughs> Craft Brewery Sunday. You know, I, I think in part to your question why you don't see travel as involved is seasonal timing. The holiday season retail mania, it's made for retail and all the gift buying and celebrating. And Black Friday is named because it's the day that retailers used to turn their annual books from red to black, losses to profits. And for hotels and for travel, uh, it's a very different scenario. This time of year is not the time of year when uh, you look forward to making a year's worth of sales or hoping to. It's actually one of the strongest. According to some numbers I saw earlier this week on the Thanksgiving week that just passed, weekend passenger volume uh, was about 14% below 2019 levels. And even though international load factors for airplanes were 60-70% down still, or sorry, 60-70% of 19 levels, uh, reaching a 90% load factor all in without international means that domestic travel last week on the airlines anyway was actually higher than 19 of the 50-some million that AAA say are going to travel across the U.S. during Thanksgiving week, though, for a sense of perspective, only 2.5 million of those are flying. The other 48 million are on the road, about a million by tra traveling by train and bus and cruises. But all that adds up to uh, the fact that this is one of the weeks with the highest demand of the year. And resorts can sell to capacity, and they have no incentive to give deals. If the theory goes you give a discount when you have a product that you need to move, Right, you have unsellable inventory, uh, then this is the exact wrong time to go putting travel products on sale at the highest demand. I would say this is especially true also uh, for a product with static and perishable inventory. So I mean, a hotel 
Hotel has the same number of rooms every day of the year. You can't just add a floor because more people want to travel in Thanksgiving week or subtract one in January when travel is really slow. Unlike many retail products where you can adjust production, right? you can make a toy, you can choose to produce a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand of them. Uh, and then after that, you get your economist to figure out, well, whether it makes sense to sell the most at, at $5, $10, $8. And uh, for travel, you're a bit honed in by the capacity that you have to sell every day anyway. Uh, so putting a product on sale during your highest peak demand, uh, they really just don't get into the foray and the craziness of this season's travel deals. You know, hotels and travel probably need to be, you know, just as entities need to be separated because travel seems like it's always on sale. If you ever visit like an Expedia or any kind of third-party travel site, you will be dogged by ads for six months. I mean, you're you're dogged by ads anyway for any product that you, that you visit, but you know, I think one of the problems with the whole industry is like mattress sales. 95% of mattresses are sold with a deal. And travel is kind of like that since there are a million third parties all trying to compete on price. And hotels, it seems, have learned that year after year discounting their product doesn't really have that much of a positive impact on the revenue. And oftentimes it could be negative. They're sort of like downplaying themselves. Is it just part of how the travel industry sees supply and demand? Like you're going to spend money anyway either traveling home or buying trips as presents or planning winter holidays. And there's just zero incentive to take 20% of what you're already going to buy off the top. Yeah. I think clearly by the mattress example, you've also read Freakonomics. It's a great book. Now, I mean, think about a 20% deal and, and anything less than that is not enough to motivate change in consumer behavior. At a hotel price of a hundred bucks, basically the first $33 are going to be consumed by fixed costs to operate the hotel. So you're talking about heat, uh, your light power and public spaces, right? The gym and the pool need to be open. You got to mow the grass, whether the occupancy is 10% or 90%, right? So the first $33 of that 100 uh, are in fixed costs. The next 33 are variable. Housekeeping needs to clean. Uh, high, the extra heat, light, and power the guests use in the room. The extra laundry for towels and linens. So on 100 bucks, a hotel might actually walk away with 33, which is a pretty good margin in most industries. But then think about adding a 20% discount and cutting that price down to 80 bucks. You don't just cut $20 off the price. That's the way the consumer sees it. You cut your profit from 33 to 13 in that scenario. And, and how many more incremental guests do you have to justify to reduce your profit by 66% on the one you already have? The incrementality hurdle is something that most marketing campaigns routinely fail. In that example, 10 guests willing to pay $100 already. The 20% sale gives them an $80 rate and the profit from those drops from 330 to 130 bucks. So for the sale just to cover the cost of that $200 loss, it takes 15 new guests at 80, since it's only $13 profit each time, just to break even. And how many marketing campaigns can increase sales by 150%? Not many. So a hotel can either do 10 guests at 100 bucks or 25 guests at 80 to basically make the same profit. I think, I think hotels have gotten better at understanding that economics, uh, that model, and what it prevents them from doing in, in terms of just giving away discounts. Do you think the Christmas season particularly is important to hotels, or is it actually the least important month of the year? I think it's both. It is either the most important week of the year or it is totally irrelevant. Uh, and as we do so often in our conversations, the answer lies in travel segments. Right? So for resorts you know, and leisure destinations, 
they have their best weeks of the year from Christmas through New Year's. Uh, for a business-centric hotel like those in Lower Manhattan or government-centric hotels near the capital in Washington, D.C., uh, they'll run single-digit occupancies. You know, if Wall Street's closed, nobody's in the financial district. If Congress is out of session, nobody's traveling to those hotels. Uh, so in those cases, you have total bifurcation in the marketplace where it'll cost more to operate some of those hotels than they'll make in those weeks. Uh, and for other hotels, resorts in Florida and the Keys and the Caribbean, the coming weeks will make or break the entire year. Travel, leisure travel continues to drive the industry, though. And I think you know, since COVID began, uh, that has been the case. So we've had 18 months now where leisure travel is the dominant force, both on planes and in hotels. And over Thanksgiving, I've been told that the price elasticity is that people are, they want to travel so badly still, they really don't care about costs. So prices are through the roof. Uh, and this is a great thing for resorts at the end of the year right now, because they've had a terrible year. You know, Even though the back half of the year and the summer leisure season was pretty good, nearly every hotel still lost the first quarter of 2021. And the second quarter of 2021 was maybe half a quarter at best. Uh, so coming into these last few weeks of the year, it's extremely important, but perhaps to a niche group of hotels. Do you really think that, I mean, this is a problem when you read too many New York Times and Atlantic articles, because they do about one of these every day on how um, things have changed, how behaviors have changed. Do you think that people are really buying different products and behaving differently when it comes to purchasing hotels and travel? For travel, yes. For hotels, not so much. The leisure traveler being the dominant force instead of business or convention, you see more of those travel behaviors in the marketplace because that's the predominant group that's in the hotel. Uh, for airlines, the buy-up from main cabin is way below 2019 still. Uh, but again, that's a factor of international demand is so far down. And that was the main buyer of business and first-class seats. There's very recently a hesitancy to take public transit, right? People didn't want to be on Uber. They didn't want to share shuttle rides around the airport. The trains and trams during the pandemic were kind of taboo. There's been more demand for things like airport parking or reserved parking spaces. Uh, that revenue stream continues to help airports offset losses in other categories. But by and large, we're not seeing within the segments themselves large scale changes. Between Omicron and COVID fatigue on one side, and the fact that we've essentially been away from family, and a lot of us have been away from family and extended friends uh, for coming up on two years. You know, I think the question on everybody's mind is, is, no matter what the industry is, is I wonder what the landscape of Christmas and New Year's is going to look like. What do you think is going to happen in three weeks time? Cool headed and logical aren't the hallmarks of American governance. So I'm concerned about Omicron, not the actual virus. The willingness for political leaders to leverage it as a way to be in the news. There are a lot of comparisons that should be made to Ebola. Ebola was far deadlier and more contagious. No travel restrictions were ever considered, and there was never an issue here in America. And in part because Americans weren't wrapped around the axle about virology at that time. And because African-American travel is still tiny. One of the reasons COVID made its way around the world so fast is because it started in China, where you have some of the most globally connected air routes. Uh, so by the time people realized what was happening in the early days of COVID, it had already reached several continents, every continent, really. Uh, I saw a figure in early last year that there are more transcontinental flights out of China every day than from Africa in a month. So some perspective is necessary before we overreact here. 
I think more directly though, Delta variant had about a four to six week negative impact on travel before people let it go. So I would expect the same kind of negative impact to travel demand, uh, which is about the time something is going to stay in the news cycle. And the two are very tightly correlated that way. So if that's the case, uh, the timing of the new variant coming over the biggest leisure travel season of the year, it could be a disaster. But let's not forget what we said earlier too. Hotels, airlines, cruises, they're they're full, they're packed. Uh, The bigger risk is that not to the leisure segment so much. It's that every flare-up gives companies the excuse to kick the can down the road on getting employees back to the office or corporate travelers back on the road. The impact then will be into January and February if Omicron really does have an impact on travel. GBTA just canceled a meeting in Berlin for next week because of Omicron. GBTA is the Global Business Travel Association. And I use them as an example because if the organization for business travel is concerned in canceling business, what message does that send to the rest of the business travel community? So I I am a little bit concerned on what the reaction or the overreaction could be, uh, but mainly not until the early part of next year. So do you think that we'll see like end of the month, are we going to see empty hotels and long airport lines like, like a lot of people are predicting? Well, coming into Thanksgiving, Occupancy across hotels was about 2% down compared to 2019. ADR was about that much up, 1.5%. And those are national averages. So it's worth noting that even though average daily rate is up, it's not keeping pace with inflation at 4%. So RevPAR is down uh, and it's inflation adjusted, it's down even further. So hotels are having a tough time and it's, it's still not that they're empty. It's more back to that bifurcation in the marketplace. Leisure hotels are doing well. Business business hotels are still not. Uh, but Thanksgiving week was, by most early numbers, better than 2019. A higher end chain uh, than industry averages uh, shared with me RevPAR at 13% growth, uh, mainly on the backs of all ADR versus 19. So I would expect the Thanksgiving trend to carry forward through the holiday season. Open table reservations for Thanksgiving week are 4 or 5% down, but they were 50% down last year. And both those numbers looking forward from the data that they publish uh, are above 2019 levels. So, And that kind of tends to correlate. Uh, you know, the willingness to go to a restaurant with a bunch of people uh, tends to correlate to the willingness to travel pretty tightly. Uh, so from a hotel perspective, no, I would, I would say business will look like 2019 or very similar Uh, Guests will probably be paying more for the privilege of being there, uh, and that's okay. Regarding long airport lines, though, I think that's very different. There could be a real risk that isn't related to consumer demand or Omicron or any of that. Uh, The labor issue that we've been reading about all year is really unsettling, and it it could lead to a real flare-up as we get into the holidays. Over Thanksgiving week, the completion factor for airlines was 99% on Wednesday and Sunday the two busiest flying days of the year. That's nearly perfect. Now, the risk is that airlines are operating so thinly right now that when something unravels, like flights rerouting or cancellations, the ability to adjust and recover is just not there. So having had perfect weather across North America last week was so important to getting air travel back and feeling somewhat normal. Uh, But what are the chances looking at late December that we're going to get so lucky? And does a winter storm, a small winter storm in the Northeast, does that create a snowball effect uh, literally uh, across the whole continent? 
and airlines aren't necessarily prepared to deal with that. Uh, supply is still not back to full capacity. Uh, so when one plane goes down, they don't have a backup plan ready to go. Uh, they don't have backup staff ready to set in when the union says they got to leave after eight hours. Uh, that ripple effect could be pretty dangerous. So when you think about airports, you better really pray for good weather, maybe more than ever before. And hotels love stranded travelers. And that is such a stark yin yang <laughs> for an industry <laughs> that just yes, loves it when everybody's stranded. And then when you, you just get that, when you see that cancel flood up there and you just know at midnight, oh man, I got to go to the, I got to find whatever hotel is within a decent cab ride of this, of this airport, and then be back here at 6am the next morning. That is, oh man, yeah, that's. Whoever develops the plug-in into the revenue management and pricing systems where, you know, as soon as things, you know, as soon as flights start to cancel and weather gets really bad, it, it can automatically raise rates and not wait for a human. Whoever can develop that plug-in is going to make a lot of money. Oh man, don't even, don't put that out there yet <laughs> we, 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 until we can make it proprietary and actually go to somebody and have them build it. Before I give you your question of the week, I do want to just recap something very important that we talked about at the top of this uh, craft beer Sunday, which I was unawares about. I had no idea you were spreading the gospel about it. I will have to say that I am curious as to why, you know, when you think about, okay, I've eaten and drank. Thanksgiving week is one of the big eating and drinking weeks of the year to end it on craft beer. After you've just had this, this you've gorged yourself on everything. It feels like at least you'd want to take a break, you know, but maybe they're just tripling down. Hey, everybody's already in mode anyway. Why not finish off four straight days of turkey and mashed potatoes with a nice, rich porter? <laughs> a pumpkin porter. A pumpkin spice. Oh, 8.5 <laughs> percentage. <laughs> <laughs> maple syrup thick <laughs> Listen, I, i'm with you we should reach out to the brewers association it should be the sunday before the holidays when everybody's just entering that festive first step that's good right? that's when you want to go like to a that. brewery and drink that thick beer yeah oh yeah that's good all right i'll put a strongly worded letter together after this and we'll uh, we'll send it off now, call Sam, call Sam Cook. I think he's interested in this. He runs the largest craft. I don't know how Sam Adams is still considered a craft brewer. That there's a loophole in there for the guy who invented the term. I think. I know. I know. They're still independently owned. I think uh, they are. Uh, they bought Dogfish Head a few years back, uh, which was really. I mean, if there is a poster child for the creation of craft brew that made it big, mm-hmm. uh, Dogfish Head's got to be the one. And. Uh, yes, the Boston Beer Company uh, bought them out a few years back. That's like for for years and years before Lucasfilm uh, got sold to Disney. It was technically an independent movie studio, so Lucas was able to announce himself, and others could announce Lucasfilm as like an indie film studio, <laughs> which is just ludicrous <laughs> by any measure of human imagination. Yeah, Lu- um, Lucas and Spielberg team up for an independent film and for indie. Yeah, we just love making indies. You know, we just <laughs> love the spirit of it. Um, every week I give Jeff a question of the week. He has not heard this question. Uh, and this week's is pretty good. Jeff, what's the worst night during the holidays for a hotel manager? New Year's Eve. Probably the worst night of the year. I figured uh, why Yeah, it's, it's such an easy answer. For, and, and for, again, both sides of the coin are bad. Uh, you either have to work, even though your hotel is dead empty, 
but somebody's got to be there for that, you know, the three drunk, crazy de- guests that you got to deal with. Uh, so you waste your whole night waiting for which one of the 10 guests in the whole hotel are going to act stupid and you got to deal with it. Uh, but the other end of that is uh, you're working in a hotel like you know, Midtown Manhattan, where it is absolute total insanity. You've got your windows are boarded up. Every guest is out, out of control, silly. Worst, easily the worst, worst night of the year. They hate it from every aspect. It kind of runs along the same lines, I guess, as as um, restaurant. Like restaurant has to be open. There's mm-hmm. just no escape. You have to staff it, and everybody feels. Re- I would imagine feels really privileged. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm on vacation. We're starting a new year. I'm in celebratory mode, and you work for me. Which it seems like the height of of the frustration sometimes in the hospitality industry is like let's just treat each other as human beings <laughs> yeah there's nothing a hotel manager likes more than a, a whole room of entitled guests this has been great and thank you very much and i will talk to you soon appreciate it thank you <laughs>